Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, we're back here on the Ohio Wind Podcast, and we got some guests with us, Alyssa Whitman-Niece and Jen Zamora uh, from the Columbus Dispatch. Uh, big breaking news yesterday. Um, we talked about the Columbus Zoo investigation, and actually two top officials of the zoo resigned yesterday. And uh, Alyssa and Jen, um, uh, the three of us here on the podcast, have talked about the zoo a couple times. But instead of us just chatting, we wanted to get the experts and know what they're talking about. So, first of all, thanks for being on the show. Uh, hopefully, you guys are doing okay today. Yeah, thanks for having us. No problem. Um, Tell us a little bit about the situation. I, I think our listeners kind of know the background, but tell us what you've seen. And I think one question I have is, as journalists, we know why it's a big deal. But one of the questions we had before was, how does the general public uh, remind the public why this should matter to them, what's been happening at the zoo? Uh, Alyssa, why don't you start? Sorry about that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Thank you for having us. Um, excited to talk to you all about this. Um, so what we were seeing is um, we obtained some internal correspondence between um, some of the leaders of the zoo and uh, it indicated that zoo officials were um, using personal assets of the zoo, specifically um, in the case of what we saw in the emails, um, tickets to entertainment events in the area and suites that the zoo had already purchased to use for marketing purposes for donors um, and vendors. And they were using that for themselves and family members to attend events in central Ohio, which is not what those things were intended to be used for. Um, and through public records, we were also able to see that um, the same zoo officials, specifically uh, CEO and President Tom Stolf and Chief Financial Officer Greg Bell, um, were using homes that the zoo had acquired or uh, obtained control of and had family members living in those homes for a number of years. And again, those were assets that were not intended to be used in that way that were owned by the zoo. So um, this is particularly important, not just because it was the case of two people in leadership using things in a way that was not intended. Um, the zoo is also 
in addition to being a nonprofit, a taxpayer-supported organization. So this made the situation especially complicated. Uh, about 20% of the zoo's budget comes from taxpayer support out of Franklin County. So this is a case where while the assets weren't specifically purchased with taxpayer funds, um, it still raised a lot of red flags to people who are you know, paying money every year to support the zoo and uh, obviously aren't happy about this going on. And Jen, to get you involved, what did you, I, I don't think either the officials spoke to us here to dispatch about it, but what impression did you get about the officials' reaction to being talked to about that? Were they like, hey, we didn't know we were doing anything wrong? What was kind of their reaction to this process from what you heard? Well, we did interview them um, several weeks back uh, and had an initial conversation um, about some of the things we were seeing about the, the use of tickets and suites that we meant that Alyssa mentioned um, that we saw through these internal emails, as well as the use of these properties, um, which again was pretty much out there and available through public records. Um, and you know, the zoo and um, the officials had some explanations for why they did what they did um, and kind of maintained that every decision that they made was to benefit the zoo. You know, the reason they have these properties around the zoo is to kind of secure the perimeter around the zoo. Um, they used to use some of those properties for um, visiting vet um, housing. The tickets were always, you know, used with the idea of building zoo relationships um, and keeping that in mind. And maybe if they, did go with family members that they were always doing zoo business while they were there. Um, but the emails um, and the correspondence that we had sort of just told a, a different story. Um, not so much that family members happened to be there while zoo officials were doing important zoo business and building those relationships, um, but that family members were actively kind of seeking out certain tickets or there were correspondence between executives and their family members asking for certain shows or certain hockey games, not exactly just filling in with family members as, as they had available tickets, if that makes sense. So um, yeah. maintained that they were, you know, still doing the zoo's business and the zoo's work while this was happening. Um, and that's kind of where they, where they left it. Craig, man, what do you have for these guys? Go ahead. Uh, Mike. Yeah. Uh, one thing, uh, interesting thing about this story is, is as you mentioned, like the zoo is a nonprofit that receives taxpayer dollars. Uh, how unique is that structure, I guess, in term for across Ohio or across the country? Um, I don't know if you're reporting, you've kind of got, came across an answer like that. And um, seems like kind of a, something we put in the back of the mind until a, a situation like this comes up. Uh, now, uh, Jen, if you feel free to <laughs> answer I'll that. I'll actually pass that one to Alyssa because she's our resident zoo expert, so she knows a little bit more of the background there. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've reported on the zoo um, typically in a more conservation and animal care standpoint for several years now. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, I think it's something that we've, we, we've always known is there. It's not a secret, but... Um, you don't really think about what that means until something like this happens. Um, it's actually not that uncommon. Um, I know even here in um, 
Ohio, there are other zoos like Cincinnati uh, and Toledo and Cleveland that also have this sort of structure in place. Uh, I think a lot of zoos like Columbus originally um, sort of came to be from parks and recreation departments. Uh, it was also a case here in Columbus where the city recreation and parks department uh, is what made the zoo, um, you know, what it is today. And uh, I, I don't have specifics about how that structure works and at each zoo in terms of what percentages uh, are available, but that is something that we are interested in exploring a little more. Um, we haven't been able to get a breakdown nationwide from the National Association of Zoos and Aquariums, which is um, a nonprofit group that represents most of the big zoos people are aware of in the country. They have over 200 members uh, of accredited zoos, including Columbus. So um, we're hoping that they'll be able to provide some information to um, possibly give us some more specifics in a comprehensive way of whether Columbus's breakdown is uh, more significant uh, or if it's a little more on par with what other zoos are seeing across the country. We had some uh, good conversations among Chris and I and Craig and I uh, a couple weeks back about this, about, you know, because the zoo receives taxpayer dollars, like what kind of laws are they subjected to in terms of open records and whatnot? Um, on the public records that you did receive, um, like what kind of ent entity or kind of the process did you guys go through? um to get those records uh, did you go through the zoo or or was it through some other intermediary so that's something that we've kind of struggled a little bit with um the records that we did obtain um we basically were given them um through a source um in terms of what's publicly available that's something that's a little bit more sticky with the zoo because of their kind of status as a nonprofit, but they receive some taxpayer money. Um, we're, we've been trying to get some board minutes from them um, and that's been a little bit sticky as well. It seems like they're kind of in voluntary compliance with public records rules in Ohio. Um, I don't know that they're the same in terms of, you know, if you, if you want a public record from your local school district or you know your mayor's office or something like that, that's something you can easily request. I don't think those same rules are in place for the zoo because they're a nonprofit. Um, our understanding is that there might be some public records available specifically regarding the $19 million that they get in taxpayer money. Um, but if they're putting all of that towards something like animal care, and they're spending their other money elsewhere or you know doing other things elsewhere we're not sure we really have access to those records publicly if that makes sense it's kind of a rambling answer but it's it's a very sticky murky area because yeah the columbus metropolitan library i think um and comparison is you know it receives state dollars but also taxpayer levy dollars and it's a separate entity from like the city but you know they often you know will might probably provide uh, employee salary numbers if they get a public records request, for example. So just kind of, it's, I think that's the, really the fascination of what this story is just uh, how, um, you know, what entities are kind of subject to what laws, what's the cutoff line, what's the criteria. So um, 
uh, that was just really a, a, more of an observation, not a question, but. Uh, um, yeah, if you guys get it figured out, let us know because we've been <laughs> with this for a little while. Yeah, and um, I'll chime in there too. Um, the Ohio Ethics Commission is the, the state entity that investigates misuse of public office. And, um, you know, like Jen said, if this was a school district or a local government and the situation was going on, it would be a no brainer that this would be something that they would investigate and it could result in some type of settlement or criminal charge as it relates to state law of, um, you know, misuse of, of public office. But um, even the Ohio Ethics Commission, when I spoke with them a couple weeks ago, was saying they're not entirely sure if the zoo is even subject to their jurisdiction. Um, they're considering an investigation of um, Tom Stolf and Greg Bell, but uh, to date we haven't really been able to get a confirmation of whether that's going to happen. It's kind of the nature of the entity. Once an investigation starts, you don't really know it's going on until findings come. But uh, really, they couldn't even get past the hurdle of beginning until, until they figure out um, where does all this fall into place. And it, it does kind of make you wonder, should there be different regulations? Should there be different safeguards in place for um, groups that have this sort of unclear setup of towing the line of nonprofit and taxpayer funded. Very good. Craig, what do you have? Um, and this could be for either one. Uh, what kind of reaction have you both got from the stories you've written about, you know, this incident? Uh, you know, usually when we talk about the zoo, we think of great things and activities and animals and how great it is. But, you know, obviously this is sort of bringing it negatively into the light. Have you guys gotten any blowback from the public? You know, what kind of reactions have you gotten from people on social media or just people commenting or maybe even giving you tips for future stories about the zoo? Yeah, it, it has been interesting. And like you said, the zoo does a lot of great things and great work. And I don't think that our reporting, you know, changes any of that. Um, they're still beloved here in central Ohio for a lot of reasons. Um, I will say that the story has gotten a lot of attention on our website. Um, a lot of people clicking on the initial story, as well as the follow-ups that we've done. Um, we haven't received too much blowback Um in terms of criticisms, I would say, and Alyssa, feel free to jump in here, but it seems like the large majority of what we've received has been more, even more anonymous tips or, you know, suggestions to keep looking around. Um, I don't, I can't think of a time where I've had this many kind of like anonymous emails float into our inboxes um, about this. So um, it, it seems like you know, it was kind of reassuring that people wanted us to keep looking around after they read the initial story. Alyssa, I don't know if you have anything to add on that. Yeah, um, I would agree with you. Um, one reaction that I wasn't expecting is a lot of people, for some reason, thought the officials were like taking animals home or something, which uh, <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. That was a little weird. Um, that's not what happened. I guess people were just as surprised as us to hear about um you know, some of the assets like suites and homes that the zoo you know, has access to. Um, but in all seriousness, I think one of, one of the um, most insightful reactions uh, was a tweet 
yesterday from an Ohio State accounting professor who focuses on nonprofits. And, and he said, it's precisely because the zoo is so loved locally that this scrutiny is critical. And, and I thought that was a really good way of summing it up. Um, you know, this, this kind of stuff isn't happening because you know, the zoo isn't doing good work. I mean, people care and this reporting is important because the zoo does such great work and is so beloved in Columbus. Um, and, and like Jen said, I don't think that changes. Um, I think based on the reaction from the zoo board yesterday, I think they're ready to um, move forward with a new interim executive director in place. Um, Jerry Boren, a, a really beloved zoo director for many, many years who, who took over the zoo after Jack Hanna became director emeritus. So um, yeah, I think that that's really the, the theme right now is, is let's try and figure out a way to continue doing great work and, and move forward from this. Do you think, and I mean, obviously if you got an interview with him, we would see it in the paper or online. Did you guys, this could be for either one of you guys, were you kind of surprised that Jack, and when I say Jack, Jack Hanna, that he didn't say anything? I mean, I, we're, we're not saying anything ill of him either way, but I was kind of surprised because uh, Zeus always been his baby. And I'm surprised that he didn't speak out at all. Maybe he has no reason to, but I was expecting maybe to hear something from either pro or negative or whatever. Uh, were you guys kind of surprised by that? or We actually did. Um, you may have missed it. We got a, we did get a statement from the Hannahs um, late oh, last night okay. um, that we added into the story. But um, yeah. like I said, everything was moving kind of fast and furious. So it wasn't added until a little bit later, but um the statement just said uh, that they were they thanked the board um, for doing a thorough investigation and and said that the zoo you know will move forward and the team will continue to be world leaders in animal care conservation and education um, and yeah, they kind of yeah. left it at that so that's that's kind of what the Hannas have had to say and Alyssa if, if you have anything to add on that I know you're more familiar with um, with Jack Hanna. Yeah, I got a chance to interview him uh, a few years ago, and and just mm -hmm. yeah, knowing what he did for the Columbus Zoo, it, it was um, it was a great conversation to have. Um, yeah, he he uh, is known for being a talker, but kept this one kind of brief. I think um, mm. you know we we added it in late last night, and um, I, I don't know if if he'll say much more on it, but. Yeah, him and Tom Stolf knew each other for many years. Tom came to the zoo at Jack's recommendation. So we did think it was important to include a comment from him, even if it was yeah. brief. And to be fair, you know, Jack officially stepped away from the zoo and retired even from his emeritus role. Right. If I get anything wrong, but I think the zoo probably is navigating this new territory that they haven't had to do in decades of, you know, Jack Hanna is kind of removed now, um, yeah. you know, maybe before he would have done an interview or would have given a long comment or something, but now it's kind of like, well, Jack Hanna is retired and it was important in this case because he was like Alyssa said, um, him and Tom kind of go way back, but I'm sure that you have to kind of navigate that new normal with Jack being kind of out of the picture a little bit more now. Well, I, I'm embarrassed now. I'm a colleague of you guys. 
I didn't read the latest version of the story because I'm an old man. I was off yesterday, and when I'm off, I go to sleep at four, and I'm gone for the night. So, I, oh I'm yeah, good. we were still updating the story at like nine o'clock last night, so it's okay. all good. I, yeah, I was all tired. I, 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 I go to bed earlier than probably anybody in the plant. So yeah, sorry about that. But uh, looking forward, I'm back on at work today, and looking forward to interacting with the story. So it should be good. Um, I, obviously, as a journalist myself, I, I want you guys to say too much, but is, is the story done? Are you guys still kind of working on maybe a different angle or anything? I mean, or can we expect to read more about what's happening with the zoo? Um, yeah, I, I don't think the story's done. Whether we know where it's going is probably... Uh, a whole nother conversation. Yeah. Um, you know, these things sort of take on a life of their own. Um, right. But as I mentioned earlier, you know, there's a new um, interim executive director taking over. I think uh, at the very least we'll be looking at um, where things go from here in terms of zoo leadership and laying that foundation for who comes next. Um but with the ethics commission's comments about wanting to investigate, um, you know, the, the zoo's board of directors did conduct a review um, through an outside firm that they hired, which we have not gotten access to yet. We've requested that again late last night, things are, are developing still on that front. So I think there's definitely um, more updates that readers can expect mm -hmm. on this. And, you know, this came in, as you guys reported, came as a surprise to the zoo. I mean, I remember we started this daily part of our podcast in January, and we were looking for some big guests to start. We looked after Jack Hanna, and they said Jack wasn't available, but we actually talked to Tom early January. Um, so I'm sure if they knew about then, they wouldn't make Tom available for any dispatch or, you know, podcast interviews. So, yeah, it, it definitely was a surprise, it sounded like, right, to the zoo? Since you guys broke the story, uh, either one of you guys can answer that. Um, you know, it, yeah, I think it's. Um, I think there were maybe some some questions. You know, I, I spoke earlier about some of the tips we've received. I think people within the zoo maybe knew about some of these things or, mm -hmm. or pieces parts, but didn't know. You know, maybe they had questions about how Tom and Greg used zoo tickets for things, but maybe they didn't know about their use of zoo properties. And, and I think that was maybe um, people were aware of certain things, but didn't know that other things were maybe happening. Um, I don't know. It, it's hard to say what the zoo knew or didn't know. Um, and like I said, we got a lot of other emails saying, you know, keep digging. There's more there. Um, so I don't know, Alyssa, I don't know if you have anything to add there. No, I don't think so. Um, just like you said, it's hard to kind of, Say what what they knew, but, um, but yeah, I think you summarized it pretty well. And, and clearly, the board um, with with our initial story, the board of the zoo, the zoo board of directors, um, clearly with that wanted to take action, and that's why they hired the firm um, and wanted to to get to the bottom of it by hiring an outside firm. So I, I think that was um, an important move as well. Very good. Well, uh, before we go, let me take a second to show, and uh, this is definitely a 
uh, trans, I want to be as transparent as possible about this. I work for Gannett in the dispatch, and obviously Alyssa and Jen are working with dispatch too. But, hey, support local journalism. Uh, this isn't something that came out in the press release that they just copy and pasted. This was their own reporting. I mean, listen, Jem broke the story, and it matters. I mean, you might be sitting there going, why are they picking on the zoo? I want to go with my kids and everything. Well, this is taxpayer dollars. I mean, especially if you live in Franklin County, your taxpayer dollars go to this. If it's not used right, your taxpayer dollars aren't being used right. And I just want to encourage you, support local journalism, Check out the dispatch.com. We have 20, 20 other daily newspapers around Ohio. And this is why you should support local journalism. There's very cheap deals out there to subscribe online. Um, and believe me, um, I work on the die. I work with the web. We're updating stories all throughout the day. And we work from 5.30 a.m. to midnight <clears throat> updating stories. So you will get updated stories it's kind of like the CNN of local news. So, yeah, definitely support local journalism. Anything you guys want to say about that? Just to reiterate that, and, and thank you, Chris. Um, and, yeah, it, your reader support and subscriptions, you know, definitely help us be able to, to take the time to dig into these types of things. And, yeah, we never never go into it with the intention of, you know, ticking anybody off or upsetting any readers. You know, we don't we don't want to pick on the zoo um, this is just kind of where the story led us in this case. Um, but we appreciate, you know, readers supporting those efforts. And um, that's kind of what journalism is all about. How, Alyssa, to kind of close that part, how long did you guys spend working in that story? Because I, I think readers kind of think, oh, well, they just throw stuff together. It probably took them 15 minutes to write that story. And, you know, they're not really working that hard. Obviously, this story took a lot of time and effort to put together, I'm assuming. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it did. Um, it was one of those situations where, um, you know, with potential allegations of this magnitude, it's something you want to make sure you have all your facts straight before right. you put anything out there. So we worked on this for quite some time. I think um, the timeline is a little blurred in my mind, but I'd say months <laughs> is accurate, yeah. I think. Um but yeah, it was a matter of you know, digging into the records, reviewing what we obtained internally, and then um, you know making calls to whoever we could, and and that included having a very long interview with with Tom and Greg to try and get their perspectives on things, and you know making sure everything was as um, tight and concise and clear as as possible um so so it is quite a process and and we do um sincerely appreciate anyone who subscribes to the dispatch or any Gannett product and supports what we do good journalism takes time but we appreciate what you guys do not just for dispatch but for journalism in general it's great hey before you guys go um share it for your twitter I, I follow you guys but in case anybody out there don't follow you um how do we connect with you guys on twitter yeah, thank you. Um, my Twitter handle is just Jen Smola, J-E-N-N-S-M-O-L-A. And mine is Alyssa Widman, which is A-L-I-S-S-A-W-I-D-M-A-N.
All right. Well, listen, Jen, thank you so much again for coming on the show. Good to meet you guys. I, I feel that we have this like teams <laughs> friendship, but it's good to guys actually talk to you guys in person, which is fantastic. And again, feel free, not just for the zoo, but obviously you guys got a lot of other great stories coming. Keep in touch. We'd love to have you on uh, to promote uh, Dispatch and Good Journals around Central Ohio. Uh, thanks so much. And uh, guys, stick around just for a second afterwards. Uh, Craig and Brandon, as always, thanks for uh being with us on the show uh check out our sponsors uh check out anchor uh for free podcasts um check out um hope interrupted it's our new podcast that we started with byron mccauley formerly of the Cincinnati inquire and jen mooney where they talk about cross-cultural race issues episode two drops tomorrow so please check that out thanks so much for checking out the hound everybody have a great day